You're listening to a bonus episode of the Dairy Edge, featuring Chagask's weekly Let's Talk Dairy webinar series, which is also available as a podcast. Good morning, everybody. You're very welcome to this week's Let's Talk Dairy webinar. And we're going to talk about something that there's a lot of interest in, in terms of the idea of milking uh, 10 times in, in seven days and the research that's going on in that area. I have Emer Kennedy as Emer's a researcher in um, Chagas Moor Park. Um, we're, we're delighted to have Emer uh, on because um, I understand Emer is under pressure down there. He's of the Moor Park Open Day coming up on the 4th of July and, and some of this will be discussed further. But just to get a flavour for that in terms of there's there's kind of a new body of research over the, over the last couple of years. You have been doing milk and frequency work, but um, this whole question and this whole idea, which is probably new to a lot of people, um, of milking uh, 10 times in seven days. Before maybe we get into that and how that works, can you explain a little bit maybe about the milk and frequency project that's on that's ongoing and has been for a long number of years now in, in, in Moor Park? Good morning, James. Uh, yes, it is pretty busy here for the build up to the open day. Um, so just to go to the milk and frequency work that that um, we've been doing. So over the last number of years, we've been running a program where we've looked at um, full term or long term once a day milking um, for the whole lactation compared to twice a day. We've also looked at um, once a day milking at key points during the lactation. So be it in early lactation or the end of lactation or like say the early and the end of lactation. I knew there's been pretty good results from that. Since then, what we've moved on to looking at is um, more this this kind of milk and frequency work. So kind of using um, a bit of once a day milking strategically. So there, like there's a number of ways that you can you can do that. So you can milk cows three times in two days, but that tends to have hours that you know they're kind of um, they're not standard hours that you're working or you're milking at each each day or every second day. So we've taken the ten and seven approach, which is ten milkings in seven days um so that means that you're milking twice a day on a monday a wednesday and a friday and you milk once a day on a tuesday a thursday a saturday and a sunday so the milking times then around that will be like say for example what we milk we milk in the morning at seven o'clock um on a twice a day day we milk at seven o'clock in the morning and four o'clock in the afternoon then on a once a day day that milking should be around 10 o'clock in the morning um and, you know, maybe say 10 o'clock on a Saturday morning and maybe eight o'clock on, the, on a Sunday morning. But to be honest, you know, the hours change a little bit here. So th- there is a little bit of flexibility if you even want to bring it back an hour or so. And and that really, I suppose, in terms of why you went with that 10 and 7 for our viewers is compared to the 3 and 2, as you say, that the milking times are are, are friendly from a from a from a labour perspective, from a farmer perspective, in terms of that they're still at, at periods in the day that, that fits within the working day um, as such, rather than um, maybe having to get up at, at ungodly hours as such. Uh, as yeah, such and I Emer. think... I think there's a, like, you know, for farmers who are thinking about this, they sometimes kind of say, well, I don't want to milk at 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning because like the rest of the day is kind of gone then, you know, because I'm milking too late. So let's say there's no problem like bringing it back to maybe nine o'clock in the morning or mm. or half eight, depending on your, your herd size and how long milking takes. And um, the cows can be quite flexible around it. Mm. So tell us in terms of how long has this been, how long has this been going? And just explain, you have a kind of a couple of elements to the study. Um yeah, so we're in our second year now of this 10 and 7 work. So last year was the first year of it and we had three treatments in place. So we had our standard twice a day herd. So that's 
cows that we milked twice a day every day for, for full lactation. We then had a herd that we milked 10 and 7 for the full lactation. So again, they were like there twice a day on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and once a day, the Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday and Sunday. And that was for the full lactation. And then we had a third herd, which we milked twice a day um, for the first half lactation. So around the first 20 weeks. Um, and then we changed them over to 10 and 7 for the second half lactation. So that meant it was actually the 4th of July last year that they changed um, over to the 10 and 7. Um, so like we're just repeating it this year just to ensure that the results that we got we'll say from last year are, are similar um, to, to this year. Okay and in terms of then I suppose what, what viewers and listeners will be um, will be interested in in terms of the parameters then that you're measuring so tell us a little bit in terms of animal performance where where is that at it's it's all well yeah. and good in terms of reducing the number of milkings but are we going to significantly reduce in terms of animal performance as a result yeah so if we just like we're trying to look at the the whole the whole concept of it so both the production and the welfare side so we're measuring milk yield milk production we look at locomotion scoring um other scoring looking at their firmness that if say the 10 and 7 cows come in on a one stay day is their other really firm that it's uncomfortable for them um which we haven't found um and condition score um fertility that mm -hmm. can, and body weight obviously that that kind of thing so in terms of the production um when we milk cows um 10 and 7 for the full lactation we're looking at a reduction in milk yield of about 10% and a reduction in milk solids yield of about 12% it, it very interestingly, and again, why we're repeating it this year is that when we switch those cows over to 10 and 7 for the second half lactation. So again, they were milked twice a day for the first half lactation, then switched at the start of July to, to 10 and 7. There was absolutely no difference in the production performance in terms of milk yield or milk solids between those cows and cows that were milked twice a day for the full lactation. So, you know, in, in our mind, if, if like, you know, this, this is repeatable and um, that's a, a really good result that it gives farmers a lot of flexibility that, you know, they might prefer to go um, 10 and 7, not get that 10 to 12 percent loss in milk and milk solids um, if they were doing it for the full lactation. But like, you know, when breeding and everything is over that you can switch and um, it frees up a bit of time then in the summer and into the autumn. Lots of people would say that's that's game changing as such. If you can, if 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 those results are repeated again this year in terms of that you can switch, uh, you can take a number of milkings out of, out of the working week, um, and ultimately to deliver the the same level of performance. Um, in terms of the 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 welfare side of things, and you mentioned that um, one of the things I suppose. And and you you listed all the parameters there that you that you're measuring in terms of that it doesn't have a negative impact on on cow welfare, but one of the things in terms of from switching I suppose from twice a day to once a day always some of the the key challenges at farm level there is is somatic cell count and and how that's managed and it can be difficult, Emer in terms of of changing that milk and frequency. What have you seen? And I understand it's it's only one year's data in terms of. Even the full time yeah. ten and seven, um, is is it? Are you having the same difficulties in managing SCC that that you would be having possibly in a once a day system? So yeah, what we have found from all the milking frequency work is that when you go when you drop a milking, so when you go to once a day, um, milking you tend to reduce, uh, sorry, tend to increase your somatic cell count. So for the full time ten and seven herd, their cell count was about ten percent higher than the cows milked um twice a day, for the full lactation. 
over like when we look at the what we call the part time, so the ones that switched to 10 and 7 for the second half lactation, there was a small increase in cell count again when we started to drop the, the milkings. But over the whole lactation, they weren't significantly different to um to the, the, the cows that were milked twice a day for the full lactation. OK. Okay. Yeah. And I should I should add to that in terms of the, the clinical cases of mastitis, there was actually no difference in clinical cases of mastitis between any of the treatments. It was just that increase in cell count. So, uh, yeah, a small little. But in terms of ten percent, um, so if somebody is sitting at one hundred and fifty thousand, um, you're you're looking at something in the region one hundred and sixty five, one hundred and seventy thousand. Then in that situation, yeah. Or vice versa, if someone's sub one hundred thousand, you're probably going to increase it something in the region of, of of ten thousand. Um, okay. In terms of then, I suppose the actual overall animal performance and and viewers um there's the opportunity there to ask questions so do uh, don't leave it all up to me um you would love to hear from someone else um so do post your questions there in the chat box and, and we will ask them um in terms of overall animal performance i suppose people are wondering um there be people on here with, with different levels of animal performance maybe from 400 up to maybe 550 kilos of milk solids per cow where where is that actually at within within that Moor Park system? So the, the I should preface it by saying um by twenty three percent of the herd were heifers, so there was quite a high proportion of heifers in it. And with that, then they did about four seventy four eighty kilos of milk solids. That's on the on the the twice a day level. So then come back, um your ten your twelve percent in the milk solids for full time, um the ten and seven, and then like there was no difference between the twice days and the part time ten and sevens. And the level of feed, um, the level of feed obviously was remain constant across the groups. Then, oh yeah. Well. So everything in terms of grass quality, like they they graze side by side, um, and they're given the same concentrate input. So they would have been given uh, about three hundred and fifty kilos of concentrate last year. Okay. Okay. Very good. So yeah, when we look at it from a national perspective, um, low levels of concentrate going in to get that to get that level of performance, which which should be highlighted. Uh, question in from from Dermot. Um, what would you say is the cutoff for SEC if you're thinking of switching to a ten and seven um, regime? Um, like you know, it is. It is. It, I guess that's that's kind of like herd dependent in in a way. Um, like we would say for the autumn, because there's such a massive increase in cell count that your your cutoff should be a hundred thousand. Um, but you probably because it's a ten percent increase, you can probably go a bit higher than that. You know, you might have cows that aren't aren't suited to it that they might like continuously have a high cell count, and you might need to consider drawing those off. Um, or like, you know, calling them from the herd if this is kind of what you, you plan to, to like a milking frequency that you plan to use um, going forward. Yeah, and that's a good point in terms of is, is there's probably a, a number of individual cows there in the herd aimers. You said that actually if they were taken out of the system, bull tank SEC can often drop significantly and, and it may leave a herd open to um, to actually switch and then in, in that situation. Yeah. Um, in terms of then time savings, so like people would say that in terms of okay, less milk and frequency, is it taking me longer to milk the cows? Are you are you measuring that throughout the study in terms of what's the actual savings from a time perspective for for yeah, a farmer? So, so we, um 
we we still have to analyze we say that that set of data from last year but if i just go back to the once a day work mm. that we we've looked at and really we we only look at say cups on time or actual milking time because um you know herd sizes are different farm layouts are different so it's very difficult to account for like say the time uh, for getting cows in or um you know parlor size and that so what the, the actual cups on time that we're looking at is a 30% saving. Now, it's worth noting that on those once a day days, it's going to take longer to milk the cows out. So like your morning milking will probably be a little bit longer because mm. um they, they've, um well, sorry, it's the second, it's the second morning. So it would be like the Wednesday morning, the day after the once a day day will probably take a little, a little bit longer because you have that full yield from the previous day to milk out. Yep. Okay. Very, very good. A couple more questions in there. Um, I think we could be busy on this board at the at, <laughs> at the Moor Park Open Day. Um, cow type, um, question around cow type. Do, do crossbeds suit this system better than Holstein Friesian? I'm sure you, you have a, probably a mix of, you have a mix, yeah, you, have, so, you have a range of types of cows on it. So we'd have about a third of Jersey crosses. So we would count to Jersey crosses anything with 25% um, or more um, Jersey genetics um, in it and really we haven't found a difference or a breed effect um, in it like say some New Zealand work I should also add that this is the first controlled experiment of its type in, in the world so like in New Zealand they have some work done and they might say that the losses are a bit less they might say you know somewhere 5-8% um, reduction but what they do is that they have their like the full herd will be on uh, 10 and 7 this year and they com compare back to production last year and we know that there's so many variables between years that it, it, it's it's kind of it's not a true comparison or a fair comparison of it that you need to um implement both treatments in the same year to mm. to get to get the yeah. true effect you have your control there which is your full time twice a day system yeah exactly exactly yeah. um so yeah Okay, very good. And in terms of just to come back to that, you're not seeing any um, impact from a cow type point of view? No, sorry, yeah. The, um, no, we haven't seen any effect. Like the, the New Zealanders would, would sometimes say in their experiments that um, Jersey cross type animals are more suited to it. Um, we haven't found that. Like, you know, we have kind of like different different cows as well. We'll have cows that are peaking over 40 kilos um, and cows that are, you know, do, doing a lot less and th there's kind of no effect of, of breed or genetics there for us. Okay. Um, a question in from um, Grania. Uh, very good question, actually. How do you manage grass allocation in the autumn? So when you're down to those 12-hour allocations, uh, so how do you manage them once a, day, once a day days in the 10 and 7, especially with silage going into the diet? That's a yes. challenge in all systems, but definitely in terms of when the cows are only coming in once. So again, you know, your 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 grazing management, you'll still need to stick to the the same principles. Like if you're grazing heavy covers in the autumn, you will need to do um 12 hour allocations. So it might be a case of going down and just taking up the reel and letting them on. And just on that, you know, another another question that often comes up is like with the cows being unsettled, um, say like on a Tuesday, they're once a day day, they're expecting to come in, in the afternoon and are they a bit unsettled? We don't find that they are here. There, there's no, even when they're side by side, the, the twice day cows can leave and they're quite content. But what I know some farmers are doing is actually allocating them grass in the afternoon. If they're getting a little bit um, kind of upset that they're not coming in, they'll just give them a fresh break of grass and that, that resolves the issue that they're not bothered by not coming in. So again, you know, 
like there there is probably that added element of management through through the heavy covers in autumn and even through wet weather that you you might need to give them 12 hour breaks but otherwise 24 hour breaks are fine or 36 hour this this time of year okay very very good um another question just to clarify i know you went through the meal rates but did the meal rate stay the same across the groups the meals was the exact same yeah so feeding rates are the exact same across all three groups Okay, very good. I have one last question in terms of, are you seeing any other benefits, I suppose? Obviously, the time one and the idea of not having to, to do the evening milking on a, on a Saturday and Sunday and, and two other days is, is a big one. But is there any other benefits that you're seeing or, or, or think so that you see, will take? Well, we see like, you know, kind of um, the, the cows are, are heavier and they tend to be in better condition um as well with the with the 10 and 7 so obviously the numbers that we're dealing with are pretty small so it's hard to get fertility data on it but you know if if you kind of extrapolate it out you would say that that improved um energy balance should hopefully lead to improved fertility performance in those cows as well okay and is it similar in terms of uh emer and the fact that um did you see yield reduce and solids increase in the in the in the group of cows that you switched or did did they stay pretty consistent in terms of with volume and, and with constituents with the twice a day they, group? They stayed, they stayed pretty similar. Um, maybe just like, you know, it's not significantly different, but a, yeah. a slight, a slight um, reduction in milk yields and, and a little bit of an increase in solids. But overall, I think like the reason that it probably, um, you're seeing no difference when you switch halfway through is because you've passed that that peak point of lactation so you've the majority of your milk produced so mm. they're kind of on the the downward curve anyway um at that stage when, when you change them over so the effect isn't as dramatic very good um i don't have any further questions but i see there's another one in there um yeah. So what's the minimum and maximum time between once a day milkings at the weekends and during the week? So just to explain that in terms of you're, you're trying to keep consistency, I suppose, in terms of. Yeah. Um, so how, how we're basically calculating it is like if you if you take we'll take we'll say we're doing our twice a day on the Monday and Wednesday and once a day and a Tuesday. So you take your evening milking on the Monday evening and the, the time of that versus the time on the Wednesday morning that you're going to milk them and you're kind of splitting the time difference and milking them halfway through. So it's the same then for the weekends that you take your, your last milking on the Friday evening and your Monday morning uh, milking and then you're, you're, you're just putting your two milkings on the weekend kind of equidistant between between those. Yep. And that's where we will highlight that. Um that will be there in terms of we can discuss the schedule and, and how that actually works um at the Murphy. Like you know, the, the milking times here probably like, you know, the, if they're due to be milked at ten, it, it might be half nine or so by the time they come in. So there's a little bit of wiggle room. I think it generally cows tend to be very flexible and will will deal with, with most things. Yeah. Um another question, uh your milk recordings, when do you do them? Um how do you do them? Um it's a good so, question. Yeah, um, it's, yeah. good, it's, good, it's good that we've people Somebody's concerned thinking, about completing yeah. milk recordings. Um, absolutely. It's a good question. Um, yeah. So like, I guess it kind of has to be different. So like, say traditionally, if like, if we, if we were milk recording here, we do it every week, we would do it on a, in a say Tuesday evening and a Wednesday morning. But um, with this, this study, you, you need to do it out over two days. So you need to capture a once a day day and a twice a day day um, at the, like within the same week. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Very good. Um, 
I think that's us. Emer, as always, um, very thorough. Um, definitely a project that a lot of people will be interested in. Maybe, maybe not everyone just yet is aware of that it's ongoing and that, as you say, look at it, it is one year's data up until now, but uh, the data is that favourable in terms of that you are repeating the exact same study again this year. Um, yeah, and like the trends, like so far this year, obviously we haven't switched the group over yet, but the trends are the, the exact same this year compared to last year. Yeah, which is which is good to see. As I said, there'll be more information on this at, at the Moor Park Open Day on the 4th of July. But um, I think it's important um, that we had you on and had a conversation around this because we understand in terms of, of labour and the constraints in terms of labour. And this could be a game changer in terms of, especially in that second half of the season where you've shown so far that there hasn't been a drop off in production. Um, it could be a game changer from, from a labour perspective. Um, and as you say, if there's positives, then there's other positives in terms of from um, a body condition score, possibly a fertility point of view. Um, and, and the other those, things those to consider then are the energy that you're saving, the water that you're saving, because you don't have to, you know, wash down the parlour for for those four milkings. Absolutely. And that's a, that, that's a very good point. And, and both uh, energy in terms of where it's at and also in terms of water usage and the conversations around that. Um, could become important, especially going into that autumn period. Um, Emer, as always, as I said, very thorough. Uh, thanks a million. You, you will be available um, and you'll probably be involved in several different things in the Moor Park Open Day. Um, I myself are on that milk and frequency stand, so please do pop by, folks, if you have any further questions um, and we will endeavour to, to answer them. So just thanks a million again, Emer, and thanks to our viewers and listeners uh, in terms of some excellent questions there coming in which show the interest in the topic. Thank you, Eamon. See you all next week. Take care. That's all for this week's bonus episode from the Let's Talk Dairy webinar series. And don't forget to look out for more bonus episodes each week. I'll be back with the usual Dairy Edge podcast on Monday, so do listen in then. I'm Stuart Childs, and thanks for listening.